Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Hello and welcome back to another episode of Galactica. Actually, I am a Diallo Jackson, your co-host, and my other co-host is, I'm fumbling with my words. <laughs> Jamie Smith. Uh, uh, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, the weather here is starting to finally get a little cooler, so I've got my Uggs on. Haven't gotten my pumpkin spice latte yet, but you know, getting getting ready for that. And well, the weather here is still hot, although today's not so bad. But I did have my pumpkin spice latte. Oh, that's amazing! It uh, I never had one until I think last year it changed my life. <laughs> I used to, used to judge people, and now it's, now look at me. Yeah, it's a very good drink. Wearing Uggs and drinking. Pumpkin spice lattes. Next year, I might be a Swifty. Who knows? I can't condone the Uggs. Oh, they are so comfortable. I, it's like, I don't care. <laughs> Actually, when it, I got them because it was so cold and there was nothing I could wear that would make my feet be warm. And then um, a friend of mine said she bought some for her husband. And then that kind of gave me the uh, opening to get some for myself. And then I did it, and they are, like, they are perfect. I love them. I never wear them outside, though. People say their Crocs are comfortable, too, but you will not see them on my feet. Yeah, I I mean, like I said, I don't wear Uggs outside. (laughs) These are my house slippers. (laughs) They're basically my house slippers. Yeah, and I will never wear Crocs, um, especially outside. Yeah. I will cancel you if I see you wearing them. <laughs> I mean, we have some mutual friends who are big fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. My boyfriend has his pair, and I just can't. I cannot. Yeah, my brother was wearing a pair, and I was like, Dwayne, you've changed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, oh, so. <laughs> what did you think of this episode? Uh, so yeah, we're doing epiphanies. What do I think about? It? I mean, I, I like it. I, it's um, I, I going back to my remembering when I first was watching Battlestar. It was a good sort of like I could take a breath after that super intense Pegasus arc. Some of my thoughts on it, like I, I liked. I actually at the time I remember I liked what they did. Um, I like it even more because of what they do later with Rosalind's character and her situation in this episode. If it because it there is a risk of it feeling like there's it's an out from 
a story uh, element, a story arc that they set up, you know? Um, yeah. But they definitely go back to it, and it so it feels true at the same time, so. Yeah, I read that Ron Moore said um, that they had intended on her cancer just being a thing that goes throughout the entire series, but they realized that they couldn't make her too sick too early because that means, well, we either have to cure her or kill her. And they didn't want to kill her. So they had to deus ex machina cure her. Yeah. I think in the, in the commentary, he says that she would have ended up being like a hospital character. I think he is, is the phrase he said. And yeah, and I agree because it's it's like, she's such a great actress. You don't want her just like sitting in a, yeah. Bed for however long they, they didn't sidelines this character. So we got the best of both worlds with it yeah. and it and what they did did not feel too contrived. I think that they were able to kind of create some new story threads that combine with some older story threads and kind of keep it moving as they went along. So I liked it. I do have some thoughts. I'm gonna ask you some questions though later. Okay. Yeah. Um, what did you what did you think about it? Um, I like aspects of it. It's not my favorite episode. It's a fine episode. It's a you know, like you said, it's a little bit of a breath of uh, fresh air after you know three intense episodes back to back to back. But honestly, I'd forgotten a lot of what happened. I, that stuff that happened in this episode happened in this one. Yeah, I think I was telling you earlier, my brain was kind of mixing up this episode with the episode in season four with yeah. Rosalind, kind of in the similar situation. Um, and as I was watching this one, I was like, oh, yeah, that's not so much later. This is like a bridge episode where it like sort of concludes some things and opens up some new doors to go through plot wise. Mm-hmm. So in, in that respect, like it's. Like, if I was making a list of essential episodes, it wouldn't be on it. Yeah, but absolutely not. It it does, like, you know, it just opens up these little cabinets a little bit. Like, Sharon's baby, you know, being a little bit different. And, which we knew, it's half Cylon. Like, it's going to have anomalies. And Rosalind's cancer being cured and... Now there's this whole thing with this unrest in the fleet of these people who are silent sympathizers and, you know, all of that stuff sort of trickles through as we go forward. Yeah, they come back to a lot of these elements mm-hmm. over and over again. Um, even there's even an aspect of it when we get to season four with the little the little cult <laughs> or whatever yeah. that's going on. So, um yeah, they. Uh, I think again yeah, in the commentary, Ron Moore says that I think it was about time they they wanted to start to explore what was going on with the rest of the fleet because we don't really, yeah, you know, see that. And like at in the context of the show, um, juxtaposed over uh, or laid over real life, um, just like with almost anything in that first instance of some crisis, everyone might be on the same page, but eventually you'll start to have people having different ideas of how to proceed from there. 
and you'll start to have, you know, conflicts in that way. And so this was where this started on this show when you started to see different elements wanting different things. Um, you know, in real life, I, you know, after nine 11, um, after the, after and during the, uh, COVID, uh, <laughs> pandemic, um, you just, you know, you start, you saw you see people like being like, no, this, no, that, and like fighting back and forth. That's real. <laughs> and so seeing that on Battlestar Galactica sort of like reaffirms that like, yeah, human beings aren't just going to be like unified all the time. Um, yeah. But, and again, that goes back to the central premise of like, I keep thinking about Adama's speech at the very beginning. Like we created these creatures do we deserve to be alive just because we're human if we're awful, you know? Yeah. And so we get to see them go through all of these paces. I, I saw, like, a comparison to, like, Nazi sympathizers. I, I guess you could potentially go there. Um, I would say anybody who's a Nazi sympathizer is a Nazi, so that's not quite the same thing as these people who are like you know understanding where the Cylons are coming from which is a little different than me understanding where the Cylons are coming from because I at times am on you know am on the side of the Cylons it just depends on the situation so I, I, I understand it yeah, these guys are like accidentally right. Like they're not right, right here, but they actually end up becoming right at the, towards the end. But yeah. it's only because of this all the stuff that they ha- like both sides have to go through to kind of get to this understanding. And even then, it's like not all the Cylons are on board with like right. where they we're going to be at the, at the end. It's just like a certain faction of them, right? So, um so it's like this it's very naive these these people are just like very naive they're mm-hmm. very um it's almost like i don't know like fairy tale in their heads they don't they don't get that the these these creatures are actual they are an actual threat regardless of what you may or may not have done to cause this other group to attack you they still want to attack you (laughs) you know so yeah it's like when like those groups of people who are like you know hispanics for trump and black people for trump like why though he would literally watch you die joyfully like why would you support someone who does not care about you so there's that that aspect too. Like at this point in the story, these the Cylons would see you and kill you. They don't care if you sympathize with them. They're not looking for sympathizers. They want to annihilate you. So what is it exactly that you're supporting on their side? What about Pycons for Trump? There's a <laughs> Maybe. Pycon. There's a Pycon character in this episode. but you know what i mean where it's like Mm -hmm. why are you supporting a person or a group that would like gladly set you on fire like gladly just like rip through you and not care whatsoever that you support them at all we would have to do a completely different uh (laughs) 
podcast to get into that. You know, I I, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, you know, I don't uh, I don't tend to be very vocal. Um, I, I have conversations, um, but I, human beings are very complex. I'll just put it that way. The, mm-hmm. Like there's a there is a tapestry of a breadth of human existence um, that follows certain patterns. Um, this has all happened before. <laughs> you know, yep. and uh, you, you, there's an element of uh, Shakespeare's, you know, was that we're all uh, life is a stage. We're all playing our part, Just whatever. Merely you know. players. Yeah. yeah. And, and so there's there's an element of like you can almost always, no matter what, you can almost always put people into roles and uh, they will play out the same way no matter what, no matter what time you're in, no matter where you're at. And I think it's just an element of how people process information and kind of how human beings think, but you will always find people that will sympathize with somebody that they that actually might be a threat to them. And it's just the way it always has been. And I think it, al- it always will be that way. You know, there were... There were, um, like I said, there were Nazi sympathizers. There were people that turned in um, families, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it just it always there were there were slaves that um, that kind of coddled, like slid up to the masters, you know, I mean, it's yeah. just that's it's a phenomenon and it'll just it'll always happen. So that's why I just watch TV to escape things. <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's uh, get into the episode. Um, so we open up, uh, with, um, the scene we're back. We're actually back in the miniseries where Rosalind is getting her diagnosis in that really epic, uh, um, doctor's office. (laughs) Yeah. We, uh, we don't see the firefly this time though. I did. I was kind of looking out for it. Um, from, or no, the serenity, I'm sorry, the serenity. We don't see that. Uh, flying through the scene like we can see in the miniseries if you have a sharp eye for it. Um, she gets her diagnosis and then she's like, it cuts out to her being in a fountain, which is kind of important for a little bit later. Then a man uh, named Mr. Stan shows up and they're kind of talking, it's like this vague conversation about na- a labor negotiation. In the distance, she sees Baltar and Six kind of like fraternizing. What's going on? Um, back in the present, we see that uh, she's, Rosalind's hallucinating and she's being carted into sickbay. It's very dire. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, obviously she's on her, her last legs. So we go to break, come back. Um, then we see Starbuck and Cat. They're out flying. It looks like they're on like some kind of like training run or just getting ready to fly the cap or something. There's yeah. one thing about this uh, scene that I really, really enjoyed that has nothing to do with anything other than it was really cool to see Starbuck flying her ship and being competent. And like I was reminded that she is an ace pilot. <laughs> And it's like, I think it's something that kind of gets forgotten, like, you know, because there's so many other things happen. Um, But I'm just like, yeah, Starbuck, she's a great pilot. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. 
Cat makes some remarks to her. Uh, I think like you know, because Starbucks late. Uh, so I guess Starbucks probably hungover. So she's a great pilot, even though she's still a train wreck in some respects. Um, they uh, she asked for permission to sh- uh, to clear their guns, and then almost immediately there's a malfunction in Cat's ship. There's an explosion, and then it like uh, there's a shrapnel which cracks uh, Starbucks canopy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they f- fly back into the flight deck and then pretty soon chief discovers that, uh, the round casings are weakened. They almost like crumble, like, I don't know, like powder almost. Um, yeah. It's like they're made out of paper or clay or something. Yeah. Like out of clay. Yeah. Like not even like, not even hardened clay. Just like, it just yeah. crumbles in their hands. Like he's able to just squeeze it and it breaks in half. Yeah. It reminds me of the scene from, um, I don't know if you ever saw this movie called Zardoz with Sean Connery. <laughs> I nev- I've seen I've seen the one image from yeah. Zardoz yeah, <laughs> that yeah, everyone yeah. has seen. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just remembering, like, it's that, or, or when I'm thinking of the time machine, there's a, there's a scene where he, like, he, like, sees these books. I think it's a time machine. I totally made that up. Uh, where he sees these books and, like, he picks it up and the paper just, like, crumbles uh, mm. and that's kind of the imagery that i got it, like it looks solid when he first sees it picks it up but then he picks it up and it just falls away if it wasn't zardoz maybe i'm just thinking of sean connery and that bikini that he's yeah. wearing i don't know i mean there was was that like last year was the year that that movie was supposed to take place in something popped uh... up in my facebook memories where i was like i shared a meme about how like here we are, uh-huh. this is the year, and I was like, I fully expect to see all the men in my life wearing these clothes now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> please yeah, walk I... around in the Borat mankini. Thank you. Yeah, that it might have been. That might have been. Um, I know this year. I think is it this year? Um, this year is the Soylent Green year, so that's oh. interesting. It's you know why it's interesting because um, there are two fast food restaurants that are going to be selling like their hamburgers for like one for a penny all day, <laughs> and another one for like fifty cents <laughs> all day, and it's kind of like where where'd you get all that meat? <laughs> Well, once again, glad I'm a vegetarian. Yeah, right. Um, I'm not, but I don't ever eat at fast food places. Um, but anyways, that was well, a aren't nice. You just, aren't you just so highbrow? Um, no, you know it's not that. It just doesn't feel like you eat. I eat it, and I just don't feel good. It's like my my heart starts racing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like it's like my whole body starts to cramp. I used to eat it all the time, though. Anyways, whatever. Um, so, uh, so (laughs) Chief, Chief ends up having all of the, uh, he wants to, uh, to ground, uh, all the, all the ships and they want to pull all the rounds because they all need to be looked at. Um, back in sickbay, Adama is getting the prognosis about Roslyn, um, from, um, Doc Cottle. While that's going on, she's having flashbacks to her meeting of President President Adar. So we finally like get to see this uh, this pre- the the new version of President Adar. Um, they're talking about like these teacher negotiations. Um, Adar uh, doesn't want to give in, like kind of timely because there's like a strike 
happening <laughs> for for them, but Adar doesn't want to give in to the the teacher's demands. He says, because she's like, we should at least speak with them before mm-hmm. we send in the troops. They're teachers, not terrorists. Right. And he says that they're acting like thugs. Six of them have chained themselves outside the Hall of Education. As far as I'm concerned, they're criminals. And then he says something either here or later about, like, one of them had a billy club. And my question is, why is a teacher strike becoming so violent? So, (laughs) Rob Ward talks about that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. He was just kind of like, he, because uh, he was. I mean, he, he, he was basically saying how, like, he's aware, he's aware that there's a weird disconnect there. Um, he was talking about how his both his parents were teachers, and so he's like, it's like not like it would be crazy to think that his parents would be doing that. Um, so like he, like he's aware that that's not really like, at least on earth that would be a thing but i guess in this reality it just kind of it is what it is i guess i don't know um that's life on caprica i don't know i mean the things they're striking about sound exactly like our school systems right now their pay is substandard their schools are falling apart the strike action has been gaining momentum for months Mm -hmm. like (sighs) pay is substandard schools falling apart that sounds like america yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, no, nah, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want teachers to strike and get violent. They might need to strike, but I don't want them to get violent. But we also live in a time where, you know, school shootings happen and the boards of education are like, hey, why don't you just carry guns too? Mm-hmm. As if that doesn't cost money. They can't yeah, you know, make sure that the, all the classrooms are adequately like, stocked with items and the teachers are making better pay it's, you know also a whole other podcast yeah if you stock the uh you stock the like if you have security in all the classrooms and they all have like weapons how do you know that the round casings haven't been weakened well i mean how do you know and then you, I have, guess to you have to shoot have one whole... and see if the next one it explodes yeah that's that's a whole other mess <laughs> um so uh adar is not he's not wanting to play ball rosalind doesn't know why they aren't speaking or whatever and then adar says um one of the interesting things about being president is you don't have to explain yourself and obviously we've heard her say that mm-hmm I don't remember the episode, but she said that before. She said that Adar always said that. Yeah, Adar always said that. Do you, do you remember the episode, though? I don't remember which episode it was or what yeah. the context was, but yeah, she yeah. definitely has said that before. Yeah. She learned that from him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so then she realizes, uh, or then he realizes <laughs> that she's already set a meeting with this stand, so he's not too happy about this. Um she wakes up, and then um, Coddle is. They're all kind of having this conversation, like she's, 
she's dead already and she you know she's kind of like hey guys i'm still here um coddle's having this uh conversation about how he's found genetic abnormalities in um what will be her name will be hera's uh blood um baltar clearly hasn't gone over <laughs> these notes <laughs> so when he's asked about it he's just like i you know I, he does his baltar fumbly thing um he dismisses it um and then um uh what is it uh coddle's like i just said it looked damned odd you know mm-hmm. I didn't say conclusive. I said damned odd. Yeah, <laughs> there's a cuddle has a lot of a lot of a lot of good moments in this uh, this episode. So Rosalind kind of comes to, and then she's she. It has turned out that she is called uh, uh, Adama and um, Baltar specifically there because she wants to discuss um, what they need to do with this child. And basically what she has determined is that she wants to have the pregnancy terminated. Well, she didn't um, call them there for that. She called them there because I think she needs to talk about the succession because she's, you know, on her deathbed, literally now. Baltar's going to become president. And and then this comes up and she decides in the moment, well, we we can't allow this thing to be born. So you're going to terminate it. Well, Ron, Ron Morgan, this is another thing that Ron Moore talks about. It's towards the end of the podcast. And he, he was saying a lot of why this comes about is because it was a thing that she didn't want to have lingering, knowing that she was going to be gone to have Baltar um, handle. So it's why she makes the choice she makes, which is a very stern one, which is to have the pregnancy be terminated. Um, I don't know. Adama kind of like you can kind of tell he he's he's not. I don't know. I might I'm reading his face, but it feels like he's not on board with that just in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Baltar obviously is resisting. Um, you know, you're starting to. I totally forget about it, but he's, you know, he's supposed to be this protector of the child from way back in the uh, end of the first season and the first few episodes of uh, season two. How do you interpret this? Like, this kind of like there's, there's an ethical dilemma happening here, right? Surrounding Sharon's pregnancy and Rosalind's insistence on the termination. Like, do you agree with Rosalind's stance or not? Or what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I do Put it, not definitely agree. putting you on the spot. <laughs> I do not agree in destroying things because we're afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to learn about something. So in this specific instance, no, because what this baby is, is a hybrid. And isn't it important to learn I'm not saying we want to do a bunch of tests on the baby and like dissect her or anything, but like you can draw her blood and learn like, how is this possible? What about her is the same as us? What about her is different? How is it different? What does that mean? You can't learn any of that if you just knee jerk abort a baby because you're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't... I don't like people making massive decisions because they're scared. 
Yeah, and I, I so I kind of like I'm the same way as you, but then having that context brought up about Rosalind at the end, Ron Moore is like, yeah, she was kind of doing that because she's aware Baltar would be president, and so it makes it a little less about like not it's not saying it's okay. But it makes it a little bit less about being afraid and more of like she's afraid of what Baltar will end up doing. What? That Baltar would allow the baby to live? I just, well, I don't know. Baltar is Baltar. Like she just doesn't trust what well, he would I, do. I understand. But what is she so afraid that this kid's going to like age quickly and be the destroyer of worlds like come on it'll go super like, scion and what <laughs> right like what are you afraid of and what are you afraid that he's gonna allow to happen um you just brought up one of my biggest pet peeves of science fiction and fantasy is when a child's born and they get old really fast i hate it i hate it when they do that <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, drives there's, me nuts. There's practical reasons for that. I don't, in, I don't like you know. it ever. <laughs> there's practical reasons for that, as far as like shooting a television show goes, because don't like it. Uh, babies are a nightmare to work with, and you have to have twins, and you can only have them on set for a certain number of hours. It's also why having children on shows is a pain in the ass, and why they tend to age them up but also if you get a child that's on the cusp of becoming a teenager and you don't shoot fast enough your teenager suddenly is going to be 15 years old and they're still supposed to be 10 because the time has not moved lost I, and... yeah, I was about to say it feels like you're venting <laughs> about a very specific show it's it happened that on I lost, do, that very I do famously <laughs> Um, but it also has happened on some other shows where they've just had to I mean it's a it's an issue with stranger things yeah, time, those kids are like 30 now. Time has not moved as quickly as these children have become adults. You know, it's only been a couple of years, but suddenly they're all 19, 20 years old. And they're still they, supposed to be playing 13 year olds. They had that issue in Lost in Space, the Netflix uh, reboot a few years ago, where uh, Will Robinson in between like the he they did the first two seasons and then between season two and three he like sprouted <laughs> to mm -hmm. the point where he was like I think he was like taller than like the dad and <laughs> and they yeah. kind of had to like write it in. Um, I mean like it's fine but they yeah. had the problem uh between seasons one and two of yellow jackets. For for whom? For Javi. Really? I didn't even pay attention. Yeah, Javi, you know, they they cast a kid who's like 14 years old or whatever, and he had a growth uh -huh. spurt. And suddenly he was like much bigger than he had been. And it was supposed to be, a, you know, within days of the last time we saw him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they had to they had to solve the Javi problem because Javi was aging faster than they could shoot the show. Oh, is that why we? I believe I'm, so. No, no spoilers. <laughs> oh. Yes. So it's it's a problem with children on in sci-fi, which leads to a really annoying trope in sci-fi of children suddenly becoming adults because of the magic of whatever it is that they are made them age really fast. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I mean, I luckily, it. luckily in this show, they didn't do that. Hera stayed a child. 
Yeah. Oh my god! I'm just saying, I'm starting to have like PTSD of like shows I really love, but then they like <laughs> do it, and I'm like, oh god. As one of the things I really loved, like we're going, it's, this is a super side tangent, but it's actually one of the things I really loved about Buffy season five was that they found a clever way to incorporate the like a like this new character, but kind of like get out of that, like so. They, yeah, because they. They made her already fourteen. Yeah, but it was like, but they, they, it just like it was clever the way they did it, and I like I really love that because it's like something you see obviously always on TV. But there's like this show I used to watch, uh, Earth Final Conflict, and it's like in particular, it's when I hate it when they do it to introduce like a new adult character, or that you know, it's like they did it with Magneto back in the day. They made him a baby, and then like he. Grows back. It's like I just, it's like they do. I just like hate. I hate it. I hate it. I just had. I just realized. Spock and um, I didn't mind it with Spock in uh, Star Trek Three, but still, they just they did it on Angel. Yeah, I hated it. I hated that. That's what I hate. I hated that. I hated it so much. Oh, and then he grew up to be this annoying dude on top of it. Oh man. It's a, it is like one of the, it's like a, it's like a pet, like I can't stand, I can't stand it. It's like. Yeah. Uh. We don't want to have this baby around. And so he's going to go to another dimension. He's going to come back as a 16 year old. He's going to fuck Cordelia. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. Oh, gross. Anyway. Let's go back to this. <laughs> Anyways, Rosalind, um, you know. Baltar's resisting all this. That was a great. That was a great side tangent. Uh, <laughs> Baltar's resisting all of this stuff, and then um, you know, Rosalind repeats that line. One of the interesting things about being president is you don't have to explain yourself. Good day, gentlemen. Um, shoes them along their way. Um, outside in the corridor, Baltar is like kind of pushing back to Adama. Um, Adama just pretty firm. He's like he's he's backing the president. Um, and then kind of takes it in a different direction because Baltar is starting to be Baltar. And then he's being very like, you know, kind of uh, uh, so Adama gets like gets to the point, which is you need to get yourself together because you're about to become the president. So act like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very it's very much acknowledging that this is like, you know, intended to be Rosalind's last you know, day of being alive. So um, you got to like meet the moment guy. Adama walks away and then six appears. Um, she's wearing a, she's wearing a, wear, a very sharp outfit. I really liked her jacket. And, um, and I noticed I was looking at her wig. You said this is, she's wearing a wig now. And I was really studying the makeup of how well they did the wig. My eyes were like focused on it, and they did a really good job. Couldn't tell that it was yeah. one. Yeah. Um, side note about this is that it actually has been. Um, there's a line that they drop in, so it's he hasn't seen her in weeks. So yeah. it's been weeks since um, the Pegasus episode. They don't specify precisely what that is two, three, but it's been it's been a while. They're having their conversation. This is actually really kind of like. We haven't seen this side of Baltar with Six in a while, but like she's dragging him along by his tie, and in real life, he's talking to himself and like pulling his tie, and people are like noticing how crazy 
he mm-hmm. looks in the corridors that they're walking. It's actually kind of interesting too because uh at a certain point, um, like so she's very adamant about that they need to protect the child. Um and then she reminds him about the nuclear device and that it could come in handy when he becomes president. And I'm wondering how like what elements of the conversation can people hear because they all are watching him and like it's pretty blatant in this scene. And I'm like, this is a pretty big like plot point that <laughs> it's kind of being blurted out. Um, obviously, Six is saying the lines, and I wasn't really paying attention to how he was responding. If anybody could hear about that, like, he actually he... mentioned the words nuke or not. He doesn't. Okay. It's just her. He says, you're insane. And she says, I'm trying to help you, you idiot. And then she leaves. Yeah. And he's awkwardly holding his tie <laughs> up in the air. It's comical, but it's also kind of like disturbing for him. Yeah, it's like, what are all these other people thinking? And then this guy's going to be the president. So at what yeah. point do they say, well, yeah, I mean, but how much can we trust him? I saw him talking to himself in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, they, luckily, they don't get into it either. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, then we we have a, a scene right after this is Adama. I think it's in Adama's um, quarters, and he's telling Hilo that the pregnancy will be terminated, and uh, obviously Hilo is not happy um, about this. Hilo's like, you know, she helped us do this, helped us do that, and she's been, you know, nothing but cooperative. And Adama's like, dude, like she's still the enemy, like. And you, you, he's like, you kind of, you should remember that Hilo. Obviously, Hilo doesn't believe that and doesn't think that. Um, so then Hilo just insists that he be the one to tell her. Um, he, you know, Ron Moore in the director's commentary talks about the acting in this portion when Hilo, um, you know, asked to be dismissed, how the look on his face um, is complex because he doesn't like storm out. Like, you know, like I'm going to burn everything down. He still is like an officer. So he still kind of like holds it together. And there's a level of respect for um, like chain of command and all that stuff. So he's still, and it's, it, it was pretty interesting because I do, there was a, there's an element of me. I actually kind of like that scene. Um, and I like Hilo in that scene, but it was cool to hear Ron more illuminate um, like the acting choices. And he was actually saying that that's something that the actors bring to the table because it definitely was not scripted. And he almost, he's like, you almost can't really script that. Um, but that, those little beats actually help, um, help the scene. Hilo does say, um, we're talking about my child. It's a part of me, but I guess it's easier to kill when you call it a Cylon. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's an important thing for him to say. Cause it's, you know, he starts out asking about Sharon and defending Sharon. She's helped us. She's gone against her people. Adama's like, well, you know, don't, don't mistake the will to live for conversion and then he he asks if he can tell Sharon himself but he ends it with we're talking about my child 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for the audience to hear that and for Adama to hear it, even though it doesn't change Adama's mind. Like, we're talking about his child. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with her. She, you know, the pregnancy is going fine. The baby is not sick. Mm-hmm. You're talking about killing her because you're afraid of her. And that's it. Not to be a Cylon sympathizer, <laughs> but I did just have a thought. Um, the a motivation for Rosalind could be that it's not so much that she thinks like the baby will like go super Scion or whatever and um, like be able to destroy the fleet or like she's the the emperor. <laughs> The Emperor Palpatine's clone. <laughs> but uh, it's just that the Cylons have orchestrated that in the first place. So it's something that they want. And so there's a mystery. And so it almost like is like we're going to shut that down. Again, I'm not saying that, you know, it justifies it, but it's just another kind of thought behind it. Mm, I, um, I think that's your thought behind it. I don't think that's Rosalind's thought behind it. You just think she's just scared? Yeah. Hmm. I think she hears that there's anomalies and, well, we don't know what that means and so we need to destroy it. Mm-hmm. It could. She thinks it will be catastrophic to the fleet. She doesn't <clears throat> have any reason to think that or any explanation of what she thinks that means. Just that this is what I think and I'm the president, so what I say goes. How this behavior is any different from the way Admiral Kane was talking about killing Chief and Hilo, that's up for debate. But it's, you know, it's very authoritarian way of my, my word, my words, what I say goes. It doesn't matter what you think. We're not having a debate here. She's got that gene in her for sure. That is for show. So we're back in the uh, CIC. Starbuck and Apollo are like presenting their findings about the um, the situation with the rounds to Ty. Um, <laughs> Ty is not Ty is not happy that they. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Ty has like these really funny moments to me in this episode. <laughs> he hasn't really been at the forefront uh, in the last like few episodes but he mm-hmm. finds these little ways to like kind of shine and so here he's like he's not happy that um that uh apollo's pulled all the ships from uh from both the pegasus and uh galactica from patrol and then we kind of and then we find out that he's been reinstated to cag which that's what uh apollo's uh pushback is um adama re like kind of like reframes everything and he's like you know there's if there was a problem we would have found out about it eventually so it's good that the ships got pulled well apollo (laughs) is apollo is talking about how he he grounded all of the planes so that they can go through all the ammunition and they're sharing ammo between the pegasus fleet the pegasus i guess fleet of of fighters and their own um and Ty is against this because it leaves them defenseless if the Cylons decide to pick a fight. And that's when Adama says that we were defenseless before this. We just didn't know it. Yeah. And then he, so, he wants Lee to find out who did this. Yeah. So they, um, they don't, so they don't really like, 
go through like their little like detective process process or whatever but they're sent to find out who did it and they end up in uh like a munitions factory um on i don't know if it's on galactica or pegasus or some on some other ship um but they find um immediately they go in and they're asking for an um an asha jonic who almost immediately loses her mind <laughs> and starts yeah. babbling about like the Cylons. Yeah, she's just like she's she's a radical. <laughs> yeah. The Cylons uh, even... aren't our true enemy. It's the military that refuses to go negotiate. This is the first the military is even hearing of this. They mm-hmm. haven't even had a, a chance to ask to negotiate or to hear these people out. You you're just like sabotaging ammunition to get attention to your cause like this isn't the way to do it you don't attack the military to get them to negotiate you go to the military and say here's what we want yeah well you know terrorists gonna terrorist right uh back in back in uh adama's quarters uh they're kind of going over the results of (laughs) what just happened he's passing around these pamphlets about from this group um, and basically, they're demanding peace with the Cylons. Um, they emphasize that they're not a terrorist cell. They don't, at least they don't think they're terrorists. Um, but we know that that's kind of like the the energy and the vibe that it's giving. Um, they're definitely like they definitely have that kind of like radical ener- energy right now. Radicals energy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been um, the Galactica has been uh, has been contacted by the leader of the cell and um adama has actually agreed to meet with him so um he basically is just kind of like you know he wants to know what they're what they're working with you know um to answer your question from before it was on the galactica adama wants to know how she got aboard his ship and apollo says that the hangar deck had is short-staffed, so they've been forced to import civilians to handle some of the grunt work. Yeah, I just I think my my uh, as I was as I was kind of like talking, my my brain started to kind of think about it because we do have multiple like locations in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. We're kind of on different ships, and I just kind of like, wait a minute, was this actually on a different ship or not? I don't know. Um. So we uh, we jump back into hallucination world, um, and uh, where we'll you know in season four we'll be back in her hallucination world. But uh, Rosalind hallucination so much as a memory. Yeah, same you know same same whatever. But uh, Rosalind's negotiating. We see her re- re- negotiating with that that stands um, character from earlier. Um, and she's really adamant on wanting to avoid to avoid having the president to use his troops to enforce the teachers to work. The uh, stands is like, yeah, some causes are worth dying for, and she's like, not this one, you know. So she's she's pretty adamant on like wanting to um, like broker a peace somehow. So then we're back uh, in Adama's quarters, and this. Terrorist, not terrorist cell organizer. His name is Royan Jahi. Uh, he enters. He's very like he looks like a he looks like a like a uh, a professor or something. <laughs> like he doesn't. I don't know. He he doesn't. He's no Tom Zarek. Let's right. put it that way. 
right? Um, he's basically, he comes in almost immediately. He, like, he disavows what happened. He's just trying to keep things peaceful. He's saying that the people, the people want peace with the Cylons. <laughs> Adama's like, you know, they, uh, they attacked us. We're not gonna have peace with them. And then um, Royan like shouts. It's kind of kind of funny. Like he shouts and it's like, you know, they only after we enslave them. Um, so Adama ends up arresting him, putting him in the brig. Kind of leaves it at that. Um, back in, um, I guess they're uh, back. I don't know. I don't know where Apollo is. Again, I don't know where these people are. But hangar they're uh, they're in the oh, they're in the hangar bay. They start going through uh, 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 what's her name, Janix stuff. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, uh box of stuff. Um, while they're kind of like going through that, Starbuck kind of looks at Apollo and she's like, hey, uh, Lee, I haven't seen you much in the past few weeks since you had your, what you say, your debt, your walk or whatever. Spacewalk. Spacewalk. Yeah. And uh, Apollo like doesn't even like doesn't avoid that, but he gets distracted almost immediately also. Um, he, he finds a little device and on it, it says the Daru Mozu, which is the, I think it's the, the Tilium refinery mm-hmm. and they kind of put two to get two together. She had an explosive. So immediately he gets on the comm and he orders a tack team to get ready to go to the Tilium refinery so they can stop, um, this, you know, um, impending bomb or explosion that they think might be taking place um, as sabotage. So back in um, Sharon's cell, Hilo is finally telling Sharon that they're going to abort the baby. Sharon absolutely wigs out. In my notes, I write, I feel you, girl. She starts banging her head on the windows and it is so primal and so and i think Ron i don't Moore know and, i don't know what her intention was here she doesn't want them to take her baby so she smashes her head into this glass yeah it's just i think ron moore kind of talks about it like he doesn't he doesn't say what her intention is but he just he's just saying like she it's it's what you would see an animal do and so it's like she's literally like literally an animal in a cage and i think it just exemplifies the level of rage that she has and Mm -hmm. there's an element of inhumanity about like what human would do that basically and it's not a condemnation of her to say she deserves to to die because like she's not human, but it just it just shows you just how angry she is, and that's that was like for like for that Sharon. I think I don't I'm not sure if the actress uh, he didn't really go into that, but I'm not sure if that was like her idea or something. Obviously, there's broken glass and blood that they needed to add to that, but mm-hmm. it just kind of shows you like the level of rage that she's experiencing and like i like you know in my day-to-day life i sometimes i feel like bashing my head on the wall so a feeling like doing something and actually doing it are two different things and also like i don't know how this protects the baby i understand that she's she's like she's flipping out and she's not she's probably not thinking exactly she's like you said she's just it's like primal but Mm -hmm. I I don't understand the the primal 
motivation to injure yourself and what kill yourself so that you both die yeah i don't i mean i think that there there's no there's no logic to it like so she it's like she, it's like whatever kind of feeling you know like um what she should have done is shown how strong she is <laughs> like instead of like bashing her own face into the glass like just punch the glass so that it breaks so you can see like yeah let them try or maybe mm-hmm. that's what she's doing is look i can bash my head into this thing and i'm still okay so go ahead and try to take my baby because she does keep saying that let them try to take my baby and then she smashes her head into the glass and says it again let them try to take my baby so maybe like maybe that's what it is is i'm not that dis- i'm i'm not so easily destroyed I can withstand more than you can. If you did this, you would be in the hospital, but I am not. So yeah, go ahead I, and try. Yeah, I don't think, again, I don't think that it's very, like, there There wasn't a lot, I don't think there's a lot of thought behind that, but the problem, the problem with her, like, making this line, like, I, like a threat, I will destroy you by demonstrating that by, like, punching the glass to, to show, um, like a show of strength is that it it undermines a little bit of this idea that she's on there, that she's always been on their side and that she still is not trustworthy. Yeah, but she's going into protective mode of you're not going to take my baby from me. Yeah. Like I, I understand that. I'm just, I'm saying like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of it like in terms of like, if I'm like, you're crafting a scene and there's like, there's like all these like, subtext and all these things you kind of want to would want to consider the way that she does it here still has her maintaining her quote-unquote innocence so she's taking the rage out but it's like only on her and again i don't think it's that deep i just think that she wigs out and bashes her head and it just visually it's stunning um and i i don't but i don't think that there's any like there is any thought behind it, any motivation behind it. It's just kind of, that was what was available for her to do. And that's what she did. Okay. So the Marines take her away. <laughs> um, and a lot of Marines come in and kind of haul her away. Um, so we have um, in a Raptor heading um, to the, uh, to the Tilium refinery ship, uh, Apollo and some Marines and racetrack are flying in. Um, they hear over the wire, uh, racetrack over the wire hears like, uh, like some voice or speech. And so we hear it and it says, do you have the note that you want to read that or uh, she, she says, none of us want to die, but the fighting must end. If my sacrifice sends a signal to the Cylon, that brings peace, then it was worth it. I do this for my children and for the children that will follow them. God's willing, demand peace, demand peace. And then and Apollo immediately is like, pull up, pull up, because he gets what's happening. And yeah. we see an explosion. Um, there's bodies flying out into space. So, yep. Yeah. Let's. Uh, I wondered, did you. <laughs> Do you pay attention to the count, uh, the body count from uh, I, last? I didn't, but uh, oh yes, um, from last week to this week, it was. I don't know what the difference was. I 
the new count is forty nine five ninety eight. Mm-hmm. I'm just um, curious how many people like what the count will be next week because <laughs> okay. I want to see how many people actually were in this uh, in this explosion. Well, you I see, mo- you, like I can give you a sneak peek. Let me okay. just go here and I'll tell you the count. Forty nine five ninety seven. So this is saying only one person died. Oh, there's more than but one. But there's body. more than one. So yeah. this this number is incorrect. Yeah, I mean maybe there were at know. least three. Yeah, yeah, at least three. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they uh, did a quick spacewalk and saved them. We've seen we see that happen later, <laughs> right? <laughs> to your much to your chagrin. <laughs> Not really. One Miss Callie Tyrrell. Oh yeah, but she doesn't get saved. She's that... dead pretty quick. No, 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 no. I was thinking of, I was thinking of another episode. Was oh, she are you in thinking that one? about when she and Chief are in? They're yeah. stuck in the airlock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's different. Yeah. Than getting blown <laughs> out into space. <laughs> this oh, isn't man. this isn't the Expanse. <laughs> do they wait in the Expanse? Do they survive out? They're one, very long. One person, she jumps from one ship to the other, and she doesn't have adequate oh, gear. Yeah, that was such a good scene, though. Well, uh, yeah. who was that again? That was um, um, oh my god, what is her name? She's like one of the main characters. Yeah, what's her name? I totally like. I can't think of it right now, but yeah, yeah, that was a really good. That was, that was a good like. Oh, how are they going to get out of this? I was really into that. Yeah, I hadn't gotten to the book that that was covering yet. And uh-huh. so I was like, oh, shit, does she die? Yeah. Because I wasn't done with the series yet, so I didn't know. That's the kind of show where, like, almost anybody could die. Like, yeah. Well, people do. Yeah. That's a great Sometimes show. because they get written out because of the real world stuff that they do. That's not good, apparently. Wait, who did that happen to on the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, that character is actually in the book all the way to the end in the whole series. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. That was a bummer that they had to do that to that character because he's such a disgusting creep. Yeah. But I was like, wait, what? I was in the, I watched it. I was watching it with a friend and then I was like, wow, that was kind of quick and random. And then my friend was like, oh yeah, he blah, blah, blah happened. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. He is gross. But now I have to look up her name because it's going to drive me crazy. Yeah. What's her name? I see her. I can see her face. And yeah, whatever. Naomi. She's, yeah, Naomi. That's right. Such a good character. I love that show. It's really good. I like that it's show. It's a really good show. And you took, should read the books if you haven't because they're so good. Took me a little bit to get into it, I have to say. Yeah. I had to, had to watch it multiple times before I finally I, got into it. Initially, we watched the first four episodes and I still was not locked in. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to. I'm not yeah, gonna get same. locked in. Mm-hmm. And then in the like the month before the pandemic hit, um, like three weeks, Jason was in the Philippines mm-hmm. and I was bored and by myself and kept hearing about how good the show got and I had already been reading the books. And so I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna give this another try. I'm just gonna push through. And so I pushed past the point where I had been and finished the first season. And by the end of the first season, I was like, oh shit, I'm in. The show's really good. 
but it just it took a while to get there. So if you're interested in watching a really good sci-fi show, The Expanse gets really great. Those first few episodes are really dense, really trying to build the world, but also a little boring. Just push through. By episode six, five or six, it's really like gets in gear. And I the, couldn't get the books over, are phenomenal. Couldn't get over Thomas Jane's hat. I just was <laughs> like, dude, your hat's killing me, man. I mean, I was obsessed with it. I was like, I can't. Like, you and your hat are just annoying yeah. what's going on. But after after a while, it, you know, whatever. That that hat is really um, important <laughs> to that character. It's yeah. in the books, too. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah, you actually I'm like, oh, I guess it kind of like he needs that. Um, anyway, that's it. Yeah, that's another another. It's like it's a kind of in the in the vein of a, a battle star in some ways, in some ways. In, um, I mean, I, they're nothing alike, except that they yeah. take place in space. But no, I mean, as like, far it's like, as like realism, like, yeah, it, the science behind that show was really well thought out. And it shows, especially right. reading the books. But the book, the show is pretty faithful for the most part to the books. So it translates really well. And it's just really, it's very smart sci fi. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like everything from like their, like, I don't know, the ship designs and their costumes and everything. Like, it definitely, yeah. it approaches, it, it approaches, that the genre from like that Battlestar perspective than say yeah. like Star Trek or even like Star Wars, which those two franchises are actually completely different, but it has like, it has this other militaristic aspect mm-hmm. to it. Even like Starship Troopers, that's another one that's in that more militaristic aspect, even if it, even if Starship Troopers is a little bit more gaudy and in your face, but it still has that aesthetic to it. The main oh. difference between the Expanse books and the show is that in in the books, everybody who grew up in space, their bone density is different. So the way they grow is different. So they're right. really tall yeah, and, and thin mm-hmm. because of the lack of gravity or the low gravity. And um, they obviously couldn't do that for the yeah. show. <laughs> They'd have to yeah, CGI right. so many people. Yeah. So that's like the main like aesthetic difference, but otherwise it's like so good. Even like how they like the whatever the language that they spoke, the uh that yeah. That, yeah, just that that was that to me was like so fascinating. Yeah. Um, it just yeah. like they really put time into that. That concept of like being taller um I know from a comic book there's a character <laughs> <laughs> character legion of superheroes named Laurel Gann back in the 80s and that it's like she was like a she's kind of like supergirl and she uh, her whole thing was like this is actually what like if superman actually was born on earth he would have been like this you know mm. that because his his the gravity on his planet's supposed to be heavier um but yeah that it, huh, that yeah that's a that was a good show i don't know how it ended though um, oh, you should watch it. No, I mean, I mean, I watched it. I'm oh. telling you, I watched it, and I don't know how it ended. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, are we having another movie or something? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll do yeah. a, a movie because they ended it. They ended it in basically book six, 
mm-hmm. and there's three books after it. Oh, there's still more books. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. That makes totally makes sense now. So there, yeah. They, I was like, they gotta be doing some kind of like movie or something. I, I really, really hope so. Because this, I mean, it, it ends, but there's a whole big thing mm-hmm. that's like just beginning. Anyways, let's get back to <laughs> previously on Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Sorry. These uh these tangents are um, interesting sometimes to me. I like to go down those pathways, but anyways, uh, we're on. Um, oh, <laughs> Adama's confronting Roy Royan, <laughs> and he's like choking him. You know now now that like lives have been lost, he's like you know he's not, mm-hmm. Adama's not playing anymore. And again, this is. Like the acting of Michael Hogan, like he's not at the he's not front and center, but he gives this like like sadistic like grin, like he's enjoying watching Adama choke this man out. It is so good. Like I, it brings me to laughter. Yeah, he's like kind of hover, like hovering in the background. He's almost almost like he's getting off on it. <laughs> oh man, so good! It's like such a good little little acting touch. Um, but anyways, yeah, Dom is not having it. Um, we get on to uh, Colonial One, and Baltar is like kind of showing Bal- uh, Billy is showing Baltar around. Um, because obviously Baltar is going to be president, <laughs> is slated to be president in the next uh, few days. Um, he sits down at Rosalind's desk and he uh, almost immediately sees like this docket and he's like, what's this? And Billy's like, uh, it's like known Cylons. And like he, Baltar opens it up and front and center you see six, um, you know, makes, mm-hmm. makes uh, Baltar pretty, pretty antsy. Um, you know, but Billy it's, points. It's him. Sherry or Shelley Godfrey. Yeah, Shelley Godfrey. Yeah, um, Billy kind of uh, he points to the number of uh, uh, the population of the uh, colonial fleet that's left, and you know says that uh, that number is important to her. I actually have a quick question. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't go back to this, but in thirty three, wasn't Baltar? in the same space to see that board or was it, was he in a different part of the ship? I couldn't like, um, I think in 33, he was still on colonial one. Yeah. He was in colonial one, but wasn't, wasn't that space occupied by people sitting in those seats. So I was, my whole thought is he would have actually been there to see yeah. those numbers. He would have known what they were, but you know, whatever. Um, well, because he's Baltar and it didn't directly concern him, he probably forgot all about it if he ever paid attention <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> what is that over there? Um, so, uh, you know, Billy say, uh, gives uh, Baltar an outgoing letter from the president. It's the same tradition that we have here in the United States where, you know, it's said that the president will give the next one. Um, the the incoming president a letter. I wonder what Obama wrote to <laughs> to tr- to Trump. Yeah, I wonder I, what Trump I, wrote. I wonder to that as Biden. well. I, I'm pretty sure Trump didn't write one for Biden. But oh, anyways, I'm, I mean, you'd have to know how to write, <laughs> have a basic understanding of 
sentence structure. He probably just wrote something that said, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he probably didn't write one. because I bet know. Obama's letter was very classy and long and big words. And Trump, I'm sure, didn't even open it. I bet you, I bet you he just set it on fire. We're going to, I mean, we're going to get to the, the contents of the letter later. Um, but <laughs> I'm actually kind of, th- I'm actually kind of thinking, I'm actually kind of thinking Obama probably wrote, would have written something similar, actually. Uh, yeah. Now that I think about it, uh, we'll get to it. Um, so, <laughs> Baltar takes the note, um, kind of moves along his way. Uh, and he, uh, he's heading back to, I guess he's heading back to Galactica, but then he gets a, oh, no, no, he gets a, he gets a, no, (laughs) he gets a phone call while he's on Colonial One and kind of mysterious what it's about. And then we're the next shot. We see him in a Raptor, um, while he's in the Raptor, he's kind of like, he's, going over those notes that he saw um that i don't know he he scribbled them i guess from mm-hmm. um with uh there's all these like chemical symbols and stuff and blood from uh the what the abnormalities that doc Hoddle had noticed yeah um so you know he starts to finally actually look at them um and then we are on cloud 9 and he can just knock on the door Baltar, um, there's a very militaristic um, uh, gorilla-looking woman that is kind of with a with a weapon. You're saying kind of like, gorilla as in guerrilla warfare, right? Yeah, G U E, not yeah. gorilla. Yeah, not gorilla. Go- I don't know how you say it. like they sounds the same to me. Gorilla. They, yeah, they sound the same. But yeah, that, that aesthetic. She she looks like she's a what do you call it? Like uh like uh Che uh what's his name? Um, che Guevara. Yeah, Che Guevara. Like she has that whole like Cuban yeah. like uh resistance thing going on. Um anyway, I just thought it was noteworthy because it's just so like it it's a visual language that lets you know who she is right off the bat without having to ac- explain anything. Now she's not the same woman that later is in his little culty thing, is she? You know what? I it's funny you bring that up because when she showed up, I was like, Am I remembering her because I've seen this episode a billion times or because I think she shows up later? And I don't think so, but she might be. I don't know. I have to keep an eye open. Um I'm going to look on IMDb and see just out of curiosity cuz that would be that would be good like do you th- pulling from previous people. Do you, are you like saying that she was like was like the main um one yeah. that like pulls Baltar? I don't think that she's the I don't think that that's the same. Not the main main one, but the one who is sort of the like the muscle so there's like yeah, the that, one with like reddish hair, and then there's a yeah. dark-haired one. Yeah, there could be. So let's see this. You can keep talking. I'm gonna look this up while you. Okay. Um, we see it's like it's Gina. She's like taking a shower. She's cleaned up a little bit. She's wearing <laughs> she's wearing these glasses, which I didn't. Uh, I mean, I never really thought 
twice about them, but I guess that they were like she was wearing them because they, it was a part of a disguise. <laughs> they keep referring to they keep referring to her as like you know like Clark Kent or something. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, even Ron Moore was like, "Yeah," he's like, "I don't know what I was thinking," but like. I just was like, yeah, I put the glasses on her. Like, she, was, she couldn't be recognized. And, like, I don't know. It just... Um, but I just thought that that's, like, she she wore glasses. And, um, I and just whatever. thought she wore glasses. And I also assumed that she didn't go out into the world all that much herself. Right. Like, that's I how didn't... she she very quickly got these minions. And yeah. also, no, that girl is not the same girl. And also, like, my assumption was that even though I know, like, the those Cylon pictures, the, the known agents might have been out in the fleet, I don't think that the rest of the fleet would have really been, like, as tied into that, right? So, like, I just, I, I thought that they wouldn't necessarily know that this was similar to this other Cylon, but like, I guess they were being more direct and it was like, she was wearing a disguise, I guess. I don't know. Well, there's also the question of whether these people know that she's a Cylon or not. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I assume that they just wouldn't know, but yeah. Yeah. But I guess, yeah. Cause it's like the people on Galactica, obviously might I mean even might not even be the entire ship, but just like you know our main characters. Um, but they did. There was a. I mean, there was a point when they said that I think that they put their faces out there or something yeah, like that. They did. But I. But even so, I don't think that everybody like everybody out in the fleet would have just been on top of that. It's not like they would have studied that and they were, everyone's on the lookout. Like everyone's just kind of doing their like dealing with their trauma. Yeah. In their and their quarters watching Netflix to try to get through these dark days with nothing else to do. So everyone's trying to live their own life. So I didn't think that she needed a disguise, <laughs> but I guess it literally was a disguise. <laughs> anyway, she, uh, they dismiss the gorilla uh, <laughs> character. Um, She's listed as Marine. As a Marine? Oh, yeah. Interesting. But I don't think um, she is. That's just how she's listed in the IMDb credits. Hmm. And she's like the actress isn't, did you say she's not the same Mm-mm. one? Um, no. Baltar is com- absolutely just taken over by the presence of this 3D, I think he referred to her earlier in the episode, um, version of Six. And he's like, he starts like, He's he's being a little too aggressive. Yep. She's definitely not feeling it. Um, and then you did know, Ron technic- Moore talk about how this was written differently? It was actually like an actual like sex scene, and Trisha Helfer was like, "I do not think that she would, after everything she's been through, would just suddenly you know be okay with jumping into bed with anyone." He talks about so he talks about that part um, about. Like she would not be like, just wouldn't, she wouldn't be doing that. Right. Um, But I don't, he didn't, I don't remember him saying that it was a sex scene, but I do remember him saying that originally that whole location was supposed to, it's on the same ship on cloud nine, but there's a brothel 
And so it was mm. like she was holding up in a brothel and that all was going on. And he was like, we did use elements of that in a later episode, which <laughs> we'll talk about next week. Um, but yeah, so, but he does say like that. Yeah, it just wasn't true to like what she would do, and, well, which under- understandable. Yeah. You know, um, it's typical or not typical, but it's not surprising that the episode being written by a man wouldn't be thinking about it in the same way. And I appreciate that they listened to the actress playing the role when she said, if a, you know, a woman goes through what she went through, she would not be just jumping into bed with anyone, regardless of who that person was. You know, like, yeah, Baltar set her free. That doesn't mean that she's obligated to have sex with him and she's not ready. And to show how she's not ready for that, um, I think, was important. Um, I think I just had an earthquake. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh. Check we had out. a whole conversation not that long ago about how I think earthquakes are fun. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't bad, was it? No, not at all. Like I just like when I ha- when I have to go, I think then like it's <laughs> really weird. Anyways, you were talking, and then all of a sudden, like my window shook, and like I felt like a little jolt. But wow, you know, I, was, I was so it could be a truck sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> we're not having a hurricane, so no hurricane this time. I definitely knew. I definitely knew it was an earthquake that time. <laughs> my yeah. brain's still like. Could not process that entire sequence. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so it's like living in California, I guess. Um, yeah, so it, yeah, definitely. Like I, you know, I'm a man, so I don't know that I would have necessarily uh, out of the gate thought of that. But it, uh, it seems also wholly organic mm-hmm. <laughs> that she wouldn't, um, you know, want that. Yeah. Um, also, just in terms of like. Her actual character, she wouldn't necessarily want that either because she wouldn't necessarily have that same connection to Baltar as she, as like um, a six or head six would have had. Right. Um, So, but even more understandable, it's like she's gone through severe trauma. (laughs) She's just not trying to hook up with anybody. Kind of pivotal to the scene, like Baltar basically essays her. And kisses her when she doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and she bites his lip and it like draws blood from the lip and then kind of pushes him back and he ends up on the bed. He's, you know, kind of like, why did you bring me here? He says, like blames her. Eh, typical <laughs> Baltar. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, she's like, well, she offer- she's offering to save him because he saved her. And then she starts telling him, like, kind of, like, what it's like out here in the fleet, right? And so, like, things are fracturing, fracturing. People are starting to, like, you know, have questions and fight back. And then she's kind of like, as president, you, um, you know, you could really help turn the fleet against Adama. And then while she's talking about this, he, like, he looks at the blood and looks at it on his fingers. And then, like, in an episode of Dr. House, (laughs) he... (laughs) And looks over at the notes that he saw, and all of a sudden, like Occam's razor. And then he all of a sudden he realizes out. that it's not lupus. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Oh man. But then he, you know, he he kind of turns it around on her again. Um, so she's like, she's continuing her pitch, but then he he's like, uh, I know it's. Uh, she says, uh, she says, I know it's hard, um, but it's the only way. And he says, No, I am not who you think I am, um, and I will not be responsible for the destruction of mankind. But it's after he comes to this realization that we're going to find out. Um, like precisely what he means. So basically I think he's found another way. Mm-hmm. Then we get back to another flashback with uh, Rosalind and true. The um, Olivia Pope will have some thoughts on this. <laughs> As it turns out, our girl is having an affair with president Clinton. And, <laughs> The Oval Office. I joking because I think that was actually the uh, the spark of imagination for this whole affair thing, and I think part of it actually came from uh, Mary McDonald, um, and part of it came from like this idea that like the president. I think Ron Moore was actually talking about how like he's like it's no. Like he says, it's no mystery that like a great many of the writers are like of more uh, are more on the liberal side of things. Um, so they tend to kind of discuss things from that realm. And the, the president in this case, I think they kind of thought of him as like like a, a Clinton. And then with Clinton, along with that comes a whole other set of baggage. And I think that's the part that Mary McDonald might have brought up. And they used to joke about that. And then eventually it became serious. And then eventually <laughs> they actually did make it so that she's been having this affair with President Adar. They actually Who had a lot of discussions. She's known him for a long time, like just to differentiate herself from an intern who was, mm-hmm. you know, in here she's the secretary of education, but she also like worked on his campaign. She's known him for a really long time. So it's not quite the same situation as like what we know with Clinton and um, Monica Lewinsky, but we, you know, there also were stories of Clinton having affairs with, you know, multiple, multiple women and many who were not like his interns. So um, just so to differentiate they, our lovely Laura Roslin from, <laughs> from that. So they actually, it's actually really interesting because he, he talks about how they were, they, they were going, they batted around a bunch of different ways to do this scene. And some of them were like, they wake up in bed together. Some of them like, they're like in the midst of sleeping together or something. And he said they actually landed on this one, I think partly because of practicality, but also because the way that it's done here leaves it so that you don't kind of like to what you were saying, it doesn't like call into question her like credentials. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we only get enough to know that it's happening, but there's, there's nothing else that we can surmise. Like it's, it's so it's not like if you if they had done the scene when she's in bed, you might have like you royal you might have inferred that she slept her way to the top, right? Right. Um, and so instead, it's just kind of like that. I don't know. These things happen, but you also get that she's actually a competent, like you know, like so. Who knows how this happened? Um, they don't give us enough. <laughs> to make us think that it's anything other than just 
two people being attracted to each other, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Pope would have something to say about this. Uh, I've never watched Scandal, actually, so I actually have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, Olivia Pope's character was sleeping with the president, so don't know In what Vermont, she would have to right? say about it. <laughs> I just, I, I yes, just, I think I it glean, did happen just, there among what places. I just glean everything from social media posts. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, I quit that show a few seasons in because it completely went off the rails. But yeah, yeah, she, you know, was a fixer who was also had an affair with the president. Mm, child, that's crazy. Um. So she tells him, um, he doesn't like, he's like, I don't like the way we left each other this morning. And she, you know, she's like, um, I met with Stans and the Education Alliance uh, is going to back off. And then Adar is like mad. He doesn't like that at all. No, it's almost like he wanted to be able to uh, go all military on a bunch of teachers. Right. Yeah. He doesn't like. He doesn't like that at all, right? Yeah, so he's upset, too, because, like, now that there have been concessions that have been made, the next strikers will expect or want concessions and so on and so on and so on. I guess it's that idea of, like, you know, we do not negotiate with terrorists, I guess. Yeah, well, when when workers are on strike, it's not terrorism. It is contractual so you have to negotiate that's part of the point of unions which the teachers would clearly be in a union they are striking you negotiate so that they can come off a strike you don't throw the military at them that would be like the studios calling in favors to joe biden and being like hey so we really need to get some some tv and movies back in production and these these writers and actors are just a pain in our ass. Can you please send out the National Guard to the Drew Barrymore show where there are there are union people picketing and shoot some like gas at them to make them stop? Like you just don't do that. Is Bill Maher Gaius Baltar in this scenario? <sighs> Gaius Baltar is actually better than Bill Maher, so I would hate to. <laughs> I would hate to make that comparison for Gaius. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what Adar's point is here. He's turning them into terrorists. They're not terrorists. They're teachers. He doesn't want to negotiate with them because he's an asshole. Not because it's not what you do. Yeah. So I was, I mean, I wasn't being literal that they're terrorists. I was just, I was saying the, the idea behind it is like he, from his standpoint, he was just and not saying that it was the right one, but his idea was that um, it's that idea of like, we don't negotiate with terrorists because we don't even want them to think they have yeah. an option to negotiate. So he's just like, now that this has been done, the next strikers will sort of have the same thing. And basically he doesn't want to be bothered with it. Right. That's yeah. Like so what it comes down to really, really what it comes down to is it's a good thing. He was, he was the one that was still in Caprica when the Cylons bombed it. <laughs> and not Roslyn. Oh man. What a different show. Yeah. Would have been. He's a, um, he's a piece of shit. I judge her a little bit for being involved with him because if this is the way he looks at, at civilians who are exerting their right to strike and treating them like terrorists, it doesn't say much 
about him as far as his um, moral center. Is it the same way you judge Tay-Tay for dating Maddie Healy? No. Maddie Healy was gross. <laughs> I judged her for it because he was gross. <laughs> but I also don't I'm care. Too- it's her life. Well, this is, this is, this is President Rosalind's life. Uh, well, I judge her for her choices. Doesn't mean I hate her or anything. I just think, like, girl, you made a bad. I mean, we've who whoops among us has not dated was, a questionable person. I was just about to say we uh, we all you have. have all you have all made that mistake. Yes. So sometimes you make bad choices and you don't realize it until you're out of it. Like, oh shit, that was what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. Um, because you know, attraction is what it is, but. Uh, and all the like she's lonely all the late nights whatever like have my friends dated people that i am like why are you with this person yes have i judged them for it yes did it make me hate my friends no i supported them but when that person showed themselves to be a piece of shit and they were no longer together i'd be like yeah well i never liked them so <laughs> i just didn't right. want to i just didn't want you to get mad at me by me saying that but i i always thought that guy was a piece of shit um <laughs> That's why one of my friends, I always tell her, like, you know, you really should just have me vet the people that you're interested in because you make really bad choices. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to live your life. We had, we. <laughs> <laughs> she makes bad choices and we, she deserves better. We are going to run a thorough battery of tests. <laughs> uh, we did a lot of simulations and uh, this is not going to work out. She has not taken me up on my offer yet, but we've been friends for like over 20 years and she has yet to make a really good choice. And now it's like, she'll joke about it. Like, you know, you keep saying I should let you vet my interests and maybe I should, but she, she mm. hasn't quite gotten there yet. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. She listened to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she, you think I'm saying something here that I haven't said to her face? <laughs> She's like my best friend, and I want her to be happy, and she keeps making poor choices. Uh, man, you need to start with her. You need to talk to Starbuck. We, 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 we need to, like, Rosalind. We need to, like, we need to get them all in a room together. Taylor. I don't know. She's making a good choice maybe with Travis Kelsey. I don't know. I don't is, know. Is that for real? I don't. You know what? I don't. I think it's being blown up a little bit yeah. more than like it is. Um, but it's, like, you it's never not know. the it's not the first time I've heard it in you know over this summer. So maybe there's something there. I don't. Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Travis Kelsey's fine. He's on my fantasy team. Hope his knee is okay. I want him to play tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need the points, man. Get on the field. I am so- <laughs> it's actually scary. I, I've said it before. It's scary how much I know about. It is. You sometimes I think you know more about her than I do because my my knowledge is mostly about her music, not so much her private life. It's just I, you know, I I listen. I I hear blind items. I don't know. <laughs> I just I, I hear them. And you I just, bring her up on this podcast a lot more than I do. I do. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Think. That's what I'm saying. I bring her up a lot. I'm like, and I, but I honestly, literally, have no interest in listening. To her. <laughs> but I also, I mean, it's fat. I mean, she's it's a fascinating person like she's like at the top of like yeah. everything right now so it's like you know it's like i for that i think it's interesting just to kind of like see how the, the world relates to that um but anyway 
<laughs> Rosalind makes bad choices. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, he's Adar's so mad that he basically tells her to resign. Yeah. Um, and she's like. F that. <laughs> She's like, um, I'm heading off to Galactica to represent the administration for the decommissioning. Um, and then on when she gets back, she's basically like, I'm going to fight this, you know. So she doesn't yeah. – I like that she's not like, okay, and then – the story for the Galact for her arc is that oh she was gonna resign anyway. It almost makes her like an illegitimate president by that almost. Right. Um, but instead, she's like, no, like um, I don't accept your like making me resign, and we're gonna discuss this when I return. <laughs> so um, it it kind of puts into perspective like not just the shock of the colonies being attacked and going down the line of succession to see you know who's gonna be in charge but -hmm. also like her reaction of like oh shit it's me Mm -hmm. and like now we know in there which obviously they didn't know this when they did the miniseries but somewhere in in her acting is the this too if Mm -hmm. you look back on it even though it wasn't Mm -hmm intentionally there it's like oh my god he wanted me to resign and now look now look bitch and there there was that line. <laughs> wow <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was that line that it was in the it was in the deleted scenes but it was back on uh, home part one i think um from with alosha her and alosha where mm-hmm. alosha talks about how she um saw the look on Rosalind's face when she was swearing her in and she's like I saw the fear in your face as you yeah. were doing that that kind of ties into what like kind of what you're saying um yeah there's a there's a lot going on that like that definitely below the surface that we didn't get to see yeah when we find out later we're glad he's dead <laughs> <laughs> thanks for showing up Comfior yeah <laughs> um so then she kind of wakes up, uh, or no, she's like in the throes of dying at this point. Um, Cottle um, says to notify the Admiral about it. And then um, Admiral Adama gets on. I'm not sure if he was addressing the fleet or just the Galactica, but he's um, basically telling everyone to. I, I think it was just the her. Galactica. Yeah. It kind of, I feel like for security reasons, yeah. <laughs> it should have just been like the Galactica, maybe the Pegasus, whatever, but not the It's probably fleet. not very easy to hide what's going on when she's in their sick bay. Yeah, because he, like, he refers to how they, you know, they've all, like, you know, worked with her. And mm-hmm. Some of you like her. Um, this is happening. And I, again, right, just reminds me, like, uh, that was another instance where Ron Moore kind of talks about. I can't. I can't personally think of any time when a president was like on their deathbed as president, and we like were watching, <laughs> waiting for their last moments. But I guess like you know there were some after after they've been president um, and been on their deathbed. I guess it, it could also be other leaders of other countries. I but guess he, it, it was to evoke that. I think he was saying just like we've all kind of like had that feeling where the nation is on the. You know, kind of on the edge of their seat, waiting for well, the passing of a. a I leader. can say two. One would be when Kennedy was shot, before uh-huh. everybody found out that he had died. 
So uh-huh. people knew he was shot, but there was still, you know, it. there was some hours there between when the sh- shooting happened and when they came on the news and said that the president had died. So, you know, in that time, I'm sure the, you know, the country was waiting on bated breath, hoping that maybe it wasn't true. The mm-hmm. other one I would say had, was long after this show, and that was when Trump got covid and i laughed when i heard (laughs) and hoped that he would die (laughs) oh my god yeah but maybe that's just me i don't know how most of the country jeez look i don't like the guy i yeah i can tell i'm sure i'm already on a watch list so yeah maybe i don't know usually you only have to you don't have to worry about if you only have to worry about it if he becomes president again if that happens i'm moving to france (laughs) Well, have fun with your universal health care. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not a fan, but... We don't need to continue talking about him. I can't believe how many times he's been brought up today. Yeah, I don't know. Just in case he becomes president, you are the best ever, buddy. Ew. <laughs> I'm not trying to get on no watch list. All right. I don't care. If, if, if I, I've been on it for years, if I'm on it. <laughs> I mean, they hear everything I say. I'm not threatening him or anything. I just don't like the guy. Yeah, they have all my information from TikTok. So. <laughs> well, China does anyway. Yeah, China does. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, where are we? Where are, where are we? Anyway, so um, the uh, the Marines, um, while like Adama's talking about that. The Marines are coming in um, and they're coming in to take Sharon. Um, they kind of like the juxtapose those two scenes. It's pretty interesting. Like the music, it's mm-hmm. very like you have like the somber passing um, and an and imminent passing of a character, but then also this really, I mean, I just get, I get like, it's kind of the opposite of this because um, in the, uh, Handmaid's Tale, like they force people to have births, but I still had that same like that same vibe about it. Like you have these armored people coming in to force a woman to do something, and yeah, and I yeah, and I just like so those two things juxtaposed. um, It's kind of she holds up a chair like she's fighting off a lion. I (laughs) does, yeah. She in the long tradition of uh, chair. Fighters, like in Alabama or wherever that was. What I don't even. Ago. You remember oh, that the... brawl? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> boat brawl. <laughs> there was. <laughs> Speaking of TikTok, I watched so many TikToks about that. Yeah, it was like that was that was a that was a great like forty eight hours. It was like every <laughs> oh man, so many angles and everything. Yeah, chairs. Got to get that chair. Yeah. Um. So. We Adam like as they're as they're like pulling um, Sharon out, Adama's kind of standing there and he's outside and he's watching it. Then they're heading through the halls, um, carting her off um, as they get to the uh, sick bay medical area. Hilo appears and he's standing in front of all of them and he's kind of like, you know, motioning. You could tell he's 
He's got a sidearm. It's kind of hidden, but he's ready. He's ready to do something. He tells them, please don't do this. Adama has all the Marines. He tells them to stand down. And then he approaches Hilo and tells Hilo, you know, think about what you're doing. You're a soldier. And Hilo's like, yeah, I'm a father, which, you know, that hits Adama. It hits us. We get it. You know, it's kind of like, what are you doing? Um, Yeah, Hilo has like this desperate (laughs) plan. He's like, just give us a raptor and we'll fly away. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, it's not, you know, not rational, but it's like it just, you know, the desperation of wanting to get away. And then right in that moment of tension, um, Baltar enters and he's like, wait, 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 (laughs) kind of saves the day. Uh, He tells Adama that he um, he's studied, he's looked at the blood and he's has these findings and basically after a bunch of like they gloss over it so they don't really go through technobabble intensity but they basically it's just that the blood because it's a hybrid of human and cylon that has no antigen so the antigen would be like you know b a a positive b positive a, a o negative whatever it doesn't have any of that and it also has like because there's like it's cylon based it probably has like recu- re- recuperative properties um, he uses the word blessed for it. And then he tells, he goes along to say that he's actually already applied the blood to some samples of the cancer and it cured the cancer in the Petri dish in the matter of hours. So if they end up aborting the fetus, then they, like, they, you know, number one, they may never find out like what's going on with that. But then also they may never have a chance to actually heal uh, Rosalind. Then we get to the scene where it was supposed to be an abortion, but now it becomes about saving um, a life, which is an interesting shift. (laughs) And saving the life of the person who called for the death. Yeah, I called for the death. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she goes through so many because I'm I'm thinking about how she becomes such a protector of the baby later. It's It's so fascinating, these... I mean, she makes a lot of choices that are questionable when it comes to this baby. Absolutely. Well, Baltar is like, you know, he he, he draws the blood from Sharon um, and then has he's doing his little science thing with it to get ready to inject it into uh, Rosalind. Cottle kind of gets in his ear and he says he doesn't like, I don't like what you're doing. I don't think it's natural and it's damn dangerous. And then Baltar is like, you know, giving the... <laughs> This is a very good point. Given the patient's current situation, I'm not sure I see the downside. <laughs> um, she's definitely on her way out uh, yeah. out the door. So it's like, what what do we got to lose? But then Coddle's like, oh, maybe it's just her time, which is kind of funny from coming from a doctor. But, but then Baltar says, uh, then for once, perhaps I'm the beacon of hope around here, which is a pretty good line. Yeah. Actually. Um, an acknowledgement that he has never really contributed to 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 much of uh, like he he's killed he killed someone our favorite no but so, nobody knows that except for yeah right 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 um, so then he injects Rosalind um, while this is happening we go back into her hallucination vision world and she um, she's telling um, that. I forget the guy's name already, but she's telling him that um, there'll be no more striking, um, get back into school, and 
he's like done. And then while that's kind of being settled, she looks out and across and she sees Baltar and six making out in the distance. And she, like she knows that. And then six actually kind of, you know, gets this moment where she's kind of looking at um, Rosalind. So there's like this uh, moment of recognition between the two of them. Then Rosalind just starts having like these convulsions in, in the sick bed. Um, and then she flatlines and then all of a sudden comes back and Coddle is just like, hey, like, this is really weird. But um, she looks up, she opens her eyes, um, and she sees Baltar right there. Kind of interesting because, like, they're holding hands, and it's not as touchy and feely as it would appear on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, um, some, some later episodes. So then Cottle's looking at the scans and he says, like, you know, can't really believe it or understand it, but she is 100%. The scans uh, show that she's 100% clear of the cancer. Um, she won't be up and around, bouncing around right away, but she's definitely healed. Almost immediately, she wants to see uh, Royan, the uh, Cylon sympathizer guy. They head to the brig. And this is another little, like, tiny note, but I think uh, it was Mary McDonald's idea to um, be in the wheelchair. Oh, really? Yeah. Just, you know, again, all those little, like, wouldn't it make sense if (laughs) Um, Ron Moore, I think, again, he was talking about, like, how great of an actress she is to be able to pull off that scene when the scenes when she's in the bed. Um, cause he was talking about how like, you know, with other, other actors, they like, they look a little bit too put together and they look a little too well. Like she just delivered that feeling of like, she looked like she was on the brink. And then on top of that, like kind of decides that she, you know, she's not all of a sudden she's just like healed and she's running around. She's going to do a marathon. So she, uh, they entered the cell. Um, and then she basically gets his assurance that there will be no more attacks. She repeats a line about um, having trust that she had said to the uh, <laughs> terrorist teacher a little bit earlier. And he kind of comes down. He and then he's like, "Yeah, I'll, he'll talk to his people, and she will listen." And she threatens him though and says. If you renege on this, then um, she will have the Admiral hunt him and his people down. So she's not just being all cuddly and friendly and understanding. Without Um, mercy. Yeah, without mercy. So she, I mean, like, I don't agree with her decision, but at least it was like, it was shown through all the hallucinations um, that, like, that's the thought process that she had. Yeah. She's doing things differently than Adar. So she, instead of emulating him or taking what she learned from him and acting in the same way, she's trying something a little differently, combining his way of thinking and her way of thinking. Did did that like align with your like expectations of how she should act or? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He's, I don't know. I, like, do I think we should negotiate with terrorists? Probably not. But her saying, we're going to, you know, there's so few of us left. Like, we're going to have to trust each other. 
you need to stop this. Stop blowing things up. Like, you're free to believe what you want to believe, but stop blowing things up. Stop sabotaging the military's munitions. But if you, if you don't, it's like mutually assured destruction. If you don't stand by your word, then I'll just set the dogs on you. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give you the chance to be better. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like, I think it always makes me a little uneasy that, like, it's like, you know, he he is behind it or at least closely related to whomever caused this loss of life. And who's to say that those people that blew up weren't, like, terrorist folks themselves so mm-hmm. like who i don't know about that but it's almost like once once lives have been lost i think like all bets are off in my view of having him like be set free it's like maybe like i mean maybe like yeah, a I... second in command could have like been the person to talk i don't know i don't know but like we and we've gone over this before right like zarek is yeah. running around but he actually served his time that's another thing but it doesn't absolve him either of being well, he, a terrible he person. Well, he is the second in command. I've been watching a OG Battlestar. <laughs> and and uh, every time he's on screen, I'm like, oh, man, he becomes Zarek. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't mean Zarek is the second in command. I mean this guy is the second in command because the person in command is Gina. But nobody knows that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is true. So yeah, we after this scene, we're back in Baltar's lab, and he's like all happy and carefree. I think there's like I I mean I didn't personally read into this, but I mean Ron Moore is the showrunner, so he probably has a little bit more insight into the motiv the motivations of the characters. And he was kind of like he was intimating that like a lot of this was Baltar's. Like Baltar was afraid of being president, <laughs> mm-hmm. so he found a way to make it so that he's not president. <laughs> and I, I read, like, I didn't necessarily read that as to, like what was motivating him, but that's kind of what Ron Moore was kind of saying, which lends itself to why he seems so happy and carefree in this scene. Um, it's because it's kind of like, and I think Six is asking, it's like, why are you so happy? And that's part of it is like he has this weight lifted off him Mm -hmm. now like in this moment anyway the topic of the letter that uh rosalind has comes up and then he opens the letter and six starts head six starts to read it and uh i don't know if you have have it if you want to read what she wrote or she says President Baltar, I offer my sincere congratulations. I say that knowing we've had our differences and that you take office despite my many reservations. You may be the most brilliant person I've ever met, but your intelligence is unleavened by compassion. You must be reminded of your ethical responsibilities and challenged to rise above your own selfish needs. I don't write this to hurt you, but to beg you to open your heart. Understand that the people in the fleet look to you not just for leadership, but for solace, justice. Find a way to give them that, and you will be a great leader. Laura Roslin. <laughs> and then his reaction is, after all I've done for the fleet, after all I've done for her. So immediately, he is selfish. 
Yeah. He cannot he's help himself. so mad. Yeah. She doesn't believe in me. And then that spurs him to be like, I'll show you. Well, and, and, and Head Six doesn't help that when she says, this is quite literally life and death, Gaius. Yeah. This is not political struggle anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he sends a bomb. He sends yeah. a bomb with this guy. Now, there is a question of this guy was arrested for terrorism. Mm-hmm. Now they're letting him go free, which is one thing. But go free with a mysterious package that he did not have when he arrived on the Galactica. And nobody bothers to look inside. That was nice luggage, though. Was it like Monos or Away luggage? What was it? What was the brand? <laughs> I mean, where did it come from? Very because classy. it's not like Gaius had anything other than a pile of papers with him when he was rescued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, but before this, like, it's kind of like interesting, um, like not related to that, but Rosalind is watching Sharon um like kind of hold her now Sharon's obviously pregnant mm-hmm. and and she's like holding her baby and Rosalind's just like sitting outside of the cell just kind of like watching that yeah pretty interesting I don't know what do you think like would have been going through her mind in that moment um she's probably torn between feeling grateful that that baby w- existing saved her life and wondering whether she was making the right decision before and whether she'll have to make that kind of decision later. Like, does she feel sympathy or empathy for Sharon? I don't know. Is she grateful that the anomaly saved her life? Probably. But I don't know that she's ready to be like, okay, well, we're, we can be friends now. Mm-hmm. Now I trust you because it's also not like Sharon was like, take the baby's blood. It'll save her life. But maybe she's also looking at her like, oh, this is a this is a woman who's pregnant. It's 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 interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And well, again, we're going to deal with this topic. It's this season, right? Like a little bit towards the end of the season, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit later. So there's definitely going to be some some more about that um there gina opens up the the luggage and there's a bomb Mm -hmm. and she seems very stunned (laughs) and i said i think i said i wasn't gonna talk about but i'm gonna do it now um the acting in that moment always bothered me (laughs) with her (laughs) the way she looks at it i don't know just doesn't seem genuine to me, but then I'm also kind of like, well, what is she, what else is she going to do? So it's like, it's fine. Yeah. I was going to ask um, like, what expression would you have preferred? Yeah. Ex- I mean, exactly. That's why I'm like, yeah, like whatever, like what, what is realistic in that moment? Like it's a nuclear warhead that doesn't happen every day. So yeah. maybe it was perfectly fine. Um, yeah, and that's the end of the episode. We don't see ever. We don't ever see Roy Royhan Royhan again. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think. Yeah, but uh, we definitely see Gina again yep. and that bomb. Yep. So spoilers. He uh, Ron Moore talks about how he um, 
uh, he it was very gratifying that they were able to bring that plot thread back in because mm-hmm. it was kind of like from last season it was like a little bit of a dangling plot line so yeah. they were able to pull it back so well to go through our categories was Baltar the worst this week you know it's actually I thought I had to think about this a lot and I'm actually siding on yes even though he does save Rosalind's life um, because he clearly is being a traitor mm-hmm. in this episode. Yeah, he gives um, a bomb to a Cylon. Yeah, and like, you know, what can happen with that bomb mm. is... Only good things, right? That's what bombs yeah. are for, good things? Yeah. Uh, who gets so. full colors? Um, I would give full colors to Baltar. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I would give full colors to... That's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't think of anyone. Yeah, because it, it's like... I mean, the thing is, it's a Roslyn episode, mm-hmm. but she's kind of like... She, she's not active doing anything. She's like the recipient of yeah. things. So it's hard to say like she has like done something to like, you know... Exceptional, so like it's a tough one. Maybe uh, I'll, maybe I can give it to Apollo for and Apollo and uh, Starbuck for hunting down the uh, terrorists. Yeah, they did that pretty fast. Maybe uh, to racetrack for her exceptional piloting oh, skills oh, to sure. get the raptor away from the explosion. Who would you throw out the airlock? <laughs> racetrack. Um, <laughs> why would you? Just kidding. We're canceling. We're canceling this show. <laughs> we we're not. We uh, we had we had a disagreement and uh, we could no, no longer see eye to eye. <laughs> um, no, I would. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to go back and say Baltar again. Um, I mean, it would save a lot of lives. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's it's again, it's like a tough one. Like, but again, it's why I like the why the show's great because like yeah. he. He plays the role of hero, and he legitimately saves the important character's life. Yeah. But we also see him being guilty. He becomes guilty of the thing that he says that he is not. And he wasn't truly at the beginning of the show, um, which was like he, he, not, he didn't um, – like he, he, he was an instrument of the Cylons um, attacking, but he wasn't like um, – he wasn't actively doing yeah, it. Yeah, he wasn't like colluding with them. Yeah, but this time he is. Yeah. And you know, again, we'll get and we get to this later. One of the things I love about that the trial stuff later is like he like he's on trial, but like he's on trial for all the things that he's innocent of. Yeah. <laughs> and like the one thing he's actually guilty of is not on trial for. But uh anyway. And um, this this week's favorite Cylon. Um, this week's favorite Cylon for me would be Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, did not deserve what was almost done to her. Yeah, I can't. And I don't know if I can ever get on board with Gina ever. <laughs> um. No. So just letting you know, like that's a spoiler for every episode. If I if I watch an episode and I'm like, oh maybe Gina, I'm like, no, I gotta remember, like, no. Any, Immediately no. Yeah. Any new reviews? 
Uh, no, we do not have any new reviews, so okay. we, we need them. Come on, guys. I know people are listening. I see the downloads. Please review us. iTunes, five stars. Written reviews. It helps us come up in the rankings, helps people find us, helps us grow. Um, you can go on Spotify and review or rate us there as well. And if you want to find us and have a dialogue, you can email us at galacticaactuallypodcast at gmail.com. You can go onto Twitter at galactuallypod, Instagram, galacticaactually. Uh, you can find Diallo at his personal and professional Twitter accounts, which are at the Armageddon. That's Twitter and Instagram, right? I'm not on Twitter. Um, oh, Instagram, just Instagram and yeah, Instagram and uh, what do you call it? Blue Sky. Blue, Blue Sky. Sky, right, right, fancy. Although I have I have like um, three tweets or three blues, three <laughs> skies. I don't know what you call three, them. There. Three clouds. Yeah, three clouds. I don't know what they're called. I'm even, not on there. You can't even. You can't even call them on Twitter. You can't even call them like tweets anymore, right? I mean, like, I still call it Twitter, so I'll call it what I want. Yeah, you. I I call it what I want. <laughs> um, <laughs> you like finger snaps about it. Listen, <laughs> um, no, I mean, I totally agree. That's one of that's one of the more crazy things in our world right now. But uh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah, I'm on Instagram. And uh, I have a, a Facebook authors page that if you look up the Armageddon, you'll find that as well. Um, the second E is a three. Uh, my Instagram, my personal Instagram is oh hey Jamie. It's uh, underscores after hey and Jamie. And you have to spell Jamie right or you won't find me. And um, last week I talked about the Indiegogo campaign for Getting Lost, the documentary that's being made. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check that out, but there is a uh, an, a YouTube video that's sort of a incoming transmission from what's his face <laughs> from the Dharma Initiative. I can't think of his name right now. Who Linus? No, the um, the Asian guy. What was his name? Pierre Jim? Pierre Chang. Oh, Pierre. oh yeah. yeah, so they that got guy. the actor to like do this whole incoming transmission sort of video for the the Indiegogo, which is great. So go ahead and check that out. And next week we will be covering the absolute best episode of the show ever, 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 Black Market. I will endeavor to be as fair as possible. Same. Same. So. Every show, I think, has a moment, a wobble. Uh, I would say, like, there's actually no perfect show. Breaking Bad comes very close. In in my Mm -hmm. opinion, I don't think there's a bad episode of that show. But some some people will talk about about Fly. I like that episode. That episode was... (laughs) You just don't like Ryan Johnson. Oh, did he direct that? Yes. Oh my! I had no idea. That's amazing. <laughs> I I literally had no idea. I mean, that's see, yes. that's probably why. But didn't Brian Johnson know. also direct Ozymandias? I don't know. I don't know. I was. I mean, that's the only episode of that's. I I like Ryan. Like <laughs> I like 
80% of what I've seen Ryan Johnson do, I like, I thoroughly enjoy, I think I've said it before, uh, Glass Onion. Yeah. Like, I think it's absolutely amazing. And I don't say that about very many things. Um, yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, I, he's done some movies. He's done a <laughs> movie in particular I think is absolutely terrible. But okay. I, but you, you I think I am fair. It was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea he directed uh, that episode because yeah, I literally life. I know some people like it I don't think it's I think if if there's a weak episode that probably is is one um but I also thought it was enjoyable so like I because there's character stuff in there that I think was important anyway it's not the Breaking Bad podcast there's um, no show that's absolutely perfect from beginning to end and um, next week we get to talk about the episode of the show that is imperfect. Yeah, there's only two for me personally. There's this episode and then there's there's another. It's not the episodes per se, but there's like a moment in an episode in season four, I think it is, where I'm just like, eh, you guys like you guys didn't do what you normally do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not the, not to say that I think all the episodes, all of the episodes were amazing, but I had like a, this episode in that moment where the only two times I had like this gut reaction, like, oh, that was lame, you know? Um, well, I actually yeah. don't know what you're referring to, so we'll save it until we get there. And it'll yeah. Be a nice yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to go into it at all. It's like, it's not a, like the episodes themselves were fine. It's just like the conclusion of it, I thought was a little breezy hmm. so okay um yeah so yeah okay looking forward to next week yeah <laughs> until then what do you hear nothing but the rain bye see ya listening to the Geekscape Network.